Welcome to A Wild New Work, Ecological Guidance for Your Career. This podcast is about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, and it's all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Megan Leatherman. Hi, everyone. Welcome to part one of a four-part series called Work as a Sacred Practice. This is a sort of free full course that I'm offering, and I'll tell you more in a second about how to get the rest of the material. Um, But I created this because um, it just sort of is something that wanted to come out naturally. I think that's usually a sign that um, I'm in good creative flow is it's just something just sort of pops into the brain and it sort of comes out gracefully and easily. And I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, But it's also in part because of some uh, feedback that I got from my, from about a hundred people on my email list. Uh, I, I, you know, I asked them what was most relevant to them in their careers right now. What were they thinking about? What were they concerned about moving into 2020? And a lot of what I heard was um, concerns or curiosity around how to be how to be more strategic in their career, how to have more clarity, how to really know what to be working on or working toward, no matter what is happening in their industry or the organization or with their clients, um, really how to find that sort of grounding and self-assuredness that, that offers the clarity and the empowerment to know what we need to do and then the energy to go do it. Um, And so this is really an offering or a love letter to those of you who that resonates with. Um, The number one way that I have found clarity and direction and a sense of meaning and resonance in my career is is really through my spiritual practice. Um, It's not an accident um, that my life and career has unfolded the way that it has, and I'll be sharing more about that in this episode. Um, So I hope this is helpful to you, truly. Um, I think when we approach our work as something sacred, the energy just changes. Our intentions around it change, the feelings about the future change, and the possibilities change. Um, And so I'll be taking you through um, four parts, four sort of sections of study through this. Today we'll be talking about kind of high level what spirituality can do for your career and how they intersect. Um, Part two will be on daily practices to sustain you. So what could this look like day to day to have to approach your work as a sacred practice? Part three will look at the seasonal work that you can do to make this work sacred no matter what you do and really how to work in alignment with the seasons and with what the natural world is doing around you. And then part four, we'll look at the larger cycles of change in career and what's normal and how we move through periods of transition and how to do that gracefully, um, all with the foundation of, you know, approaching work as a sacred practice kind of at its root and doing that day to day. And then that will support you in making the big changes that come through throughout life. So that's sort of where we're headed. Um, I'll be releasing this weekly, skipping the week of Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Um, But you can sign up and access this material at any time. Um, And I'll share a link in the show notes for where to do that. Um, You'll just sign up on a landing page and it will come to you via email um, weekly. And what you'll get, and you can get 
again, access this at any point, um, you'll get a long email with a written version of the essay that I'm going to be reading in today's episode, but you'll also get journaling prompts, questions for you to reflect upon this week that relate to the material um, this week. In this module, there are there's a tarot spread that you can use and a link to learn more about the tarot if it's not something that you work with already. There are some astrological insights, um, so ways to explore this theme of spirituality in your career on your own and in a way that's unique to you. And then there are also some resources if you're interested in further um, reading and, and want to be curious about this blend of spirituality and work. So I encourage you to sign up. It's totally free and you'll get all of that in your email and there will be you know three more sections to come as we go. I'm also really excited to offer a discussion group around this material in person here in Portland on Wednesday, December 4th at 9 a.m. We will meet at a, a private home here, sort of centrally located, and just have a space to meet one another and talk about what it looks like for us to blend our spirituality, whatever that is, with our work and where that feels hard, what feels like a possibility and um, kind of get support around that. So I would love to meet you and have you there. Um, It's $10 and I'll include a link to sign up in the show notes as well. So I'm happy to have you here. The way this will go is that I'll read the essay that I wrote for this learning module. Um, so it will sound a little bit different and you know be different than our usual podcast episodes, but I hope you like it and it's a nice change of pace. Um, and then I'll just close with some reminders for how to access the entire course material. And then you can expect another episode like this covering daily practices um, next week, November 21st. So with that, why don't I start us off with our opening invocation to wherever you are, just go ahead and settle in, feel into your body a little bit. May this episode and each of us that are listening to it be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Chinook people, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. And, of course, I'm grateful to this earth, which continues to support us and provide for all of our needs. I grew up in a devotedly Christian household. We went to church every Sunday and were deeply rooted in the community there for many years. As a child, I felt supported and seen by others in our church, and I felt my own relationship to God blossoming within its walls. One year at Camp Christian, when I was 11 or 12, a counselor pulled me aside and said that he could tell my connection to God was really strong, and my face became flushed with pride. It was one of the nicest things an older person could say to me. As I entered my middle and high school years, my religious life changed and became peppered with teenage angst and rebellion, but the thread of Christianity ran through it all. I still prayed often and felt supported by my relationship to God. After high school, I decided to go to a small Methodist college in Seattle where theology courses and attendance at chapel were required. I gladly dove into the culture there and voluntarily attended church with friends on Sundays. My junior year of college, I had an elective credit that I needed to fulfill, and Women's Studies 101 was the only course that worked with my schedule, so I signed up. Taught by a theology professor, our class curriculum was hardly shocking, but it opened up a new world of questioning social norms and behavior that I'd never encountered before. 
Feminism would become the gateway to an entirely new spiritual outlook, but I wasn't aware of that yet. After that class ended, I decided to make women's studies my minor and signed up for another course titled Women in Christianity. One week we were studying the concept of Calvinism, which is essentially the belief that some souls are predestined for heaven and others are not. The way I heard it, those souls that weren't predestined were shit out of luck and couldn't get into heaven no matter what they did on earth. The weekend after that class, I had my first and only panic attack. I became convinced that predestination was real and that despite a lifetime of devotion to Christ, I would never get into heaven. I was so distraught that I called my professor, who I was close to, and begged her to meet me. She agreed to let me come to her son's baseball game the next day. Among the din of pre-adolescent boys playing ball and with tears streaming down my face, my professor named all of the reasons why Calvinism was wrong. She assured me that there was no true cause for concern. While I tried to take solace in her words, something inside of me had irreversibly changed. A few days later, the distress lifted and I began to get angry. I realized that I wanted no part in a belief system that would cause me to feel so abandoned and condemned. Like a waterfall, doubts and revelations cascaded into my brain and I felt more clear than ever that Christianity wasn't for me. I stopped going to church, I met the minimum requirements for my theology courses, and I spent the rest of my time in college distancing myself from the religious culture I'd known. The problem was, since Christianity was the only belief system I was familiar with, I thought that the alternative was to reject a spiritual life completely. For the next seven years, I avoided anything that smelled of religion or spirituality. I read Richard Dawkins and other prominent atheists. I scoffed at anyone who would believe that there was more to this life than what science could prove, and I was completely miserable. Over lunch on my 24th birthday, my mom told me that she was sad for me because she knew that without Christ in my life, I'd always feel empty. At the time, I probably rolled my eyes, but something about what she said rang true, and it haunted me. Without any sort of spiritual center, life felt dreary and arduous. I drank a lot, got into bad relationships, and made a lot of poor choices in my career. Using my intellect alone, I made huge, sweeping decisions about volunteering abroad, going to graduate school, and moving to a new city. While I don't regret any of it, I see now how much of it was done out of a desperate desire to find a sense of purpose. When I moved to Portland in 2014, I recognized that the feeling of pushing through life and barely enjoying it was weighing me down. I serendipitously connected with a therapist in town named Rachel Rocky, and in our first session, I told her that I wanted to regain a sense of my identity. I told her that I felt lost at sea, anchorless, and alone. A few months after beginning to work with Rachel, she suggested that I try meditation. Curious, I created a little space in my apartment and just sat there, noticing my breath for a few minutes. A few days later, I read something inspirational and then sat, just noticing my breath and the thoughts that came into my mind. A few days after that, I lit a candle and extended my routine. I knew right away that I'd come back to a well that had been closed off inside of me for the last seven years, and I felt the sorrow of having been disintegrated for so long. I was hooked on my daily centering practice, and I consider it to be what truly changed my life and career five years ago. My spirituality has transformed since my childhood, but what remains the same is a sense of connection and respect for that which is sacred and unknowable. 
While I don't practice Christianity now, I'm grateful for the spiritual foundation that it gave me and respect those who ascribe to that belief system or any other. I use the term spirituality to include any practice that connects someone to what they consider to be divine, otherworldly, or precious. It can include religious practice, an informal solitary worldview, or a blend of both. The purpose of this series is not to tell you what spirituality is or isn't, but to awaken you to your own connection to the divine mystery and invite you to incorporate it into your career. I'll share some of the concrete ways that I do this and how I encourage clients to do this in parts two through four of this course, but I want to emphasize at the outset that reconnecting with my spirituality has completely transformed my career, and I believe that's possible for you too. In the seven years I spent wandering in the proverbial desert of desolation, I limped from job to job, changing course frequently and always clamoring for something better. I probably spent over $100,000 on volunteering abroad and graduate school, both huge decisions that I made because I didn't know what else to do and wanted to feel reassured that everything would be okay. After graduate school, I got a job in human resources and completely burnt out within a year because I didn't have a strong sense of self and tried to find my value in my performance evaluations and salary range. Needless to say, none of it was pretty. It's not that everything is perfect now that I meditate for 20 minutes a day or pray about my business, but I will say that in the last five years, I haven't made nearly as many decisions out of fear or desperation. I've connected to thousands of people who needed my support, and I have felt deeply fulfilled through the work that I do. I also know what to do when I feel stuck or confused, and I have more clarity than ever before about how I want to work and the contributions I want to make. When I see clients or people in my community incorporate their own spirituality into their career, I see similar themes. Ease, a sense of possibility, and often a reflection of that in the material world via new opportunities, more money, or greater alignment in their work. When things get difficult, they have their own tools for regaining the clarity that they need, and they become much more resilient in the face of layoffs, transitions, or failures. Now, there's a risk of spiritual bypassing here, which is what happens when people say that if your life is hard or if you can't find a job, it's because you're not being spiritual enough or you're somehow sabotaging yourself with toxic thoughts. While it's true that our inner processes and mindsets are incredibly influential over our careers, it is also true that sometimes job markets just suck or managers are jerks or we just made a wrong turn and need to find our way again. I would never tell mistreated workers that the abuses they experience are simply because they haven't done enough spiritual work. We live within capitalism, which is a system of exploitation, and I won't ignore the fact that some of us avoid the worst situations due to the color of our skin, or where we were born, or how well we fit into society's definition of normal. Work as a sacred practice isn't about putting all of your eggs into the spiritual basket and just hoping things work out. This course and the philosophy within it is designed to help you supplement the action you're taking with a deep connection to and reverence for what is immaterial. Work is sacred because it's an expression of your life force. Even if you despise your job, you're still there expending energy and devoting time and attention to it. I believe that everything that exists is sacred because it's an expression of spirit. And I especially believe that your heart, body, and mind are precious things that deserve to be honored no matter what you do for work. This course is also not about doing whatever it takes to be more productive or fit into capitalist expectations for what your career should look like. I'm not interested in joining the cacophony of those who want to show you how to push harder, do more, or go faster. 
I'm much more interested in helping you find your own perfect pace, the timelines that work for you, and the wisdom that will help you unfold in a graceful way. To summarize, here are the primary benefits I've seen to approaching work as a sacred practice. Clarity about what kinds of work environments are best for you. An easier time drawing boundaries for yourself and for others. Strategic awareness about how your gifts want to be expressed through your career. Trust that no matter what, you will be okay. Empowerment to go at your own pace and make the decisions that align for you. And more energy to take the steps that you most want to take. When we do our work from a spiritual place, we remember that we are expressions of the divine and that there's more to this life than entering hours into a timesheet or getting on a conference call. We know that our value doesn't lie in our job title, how many LinkedIn followers we have, or how much we get paid. Our careers are undergirded by a deep current of wisdom and vitality, both of which can lead us into modes of service that honor ourselves and what our souls came to this planet to do. You may not believe that you chose to incarnate into human form or that you chose your parents or where you'd be born, and that's okay. I believe it, and I believe that if you're reading this and you're curious about your career, it's a good indication that your soul wants to grow through your work and contribute something meaningful to the planet before you die. One of the ways I've learned more about how my soul wants to grow is through astrology, specifically by learning about the North Node in my natal chart. If you're interested in learning more about your own North Node placement, there are details and a link in the astrology section of this learning module. As we go through this four-part journey together, I encourage you to consider the nature of your spiritual life and how you connect to the divine, spirit, God, or whatever name you use to describe the animating life force that connects us all. And if you consider yourself an atheist, you're welcome here too. Even if we don't use the same language, all humans are designed to connect to what feels sacred to them, whether it's a place in nature, cycles of life and death, quiet time alone, or meaningful traditions. As you explore your own spirituality, consider how you might bring more of it into your career. This is what we'll begin to explore in part two of this series, Daily Practices to Sustain You. Thank you for being here and for sharing this time with me. You can sign up to receive the entire course at the link in the show notes where you'll receive journaling prompts, a written copy of this essay, a tarot spread, astrological insights, and more. And if you know of others who would benefit from this course, you'll find another link in the show notes to share with them. And if you're interested in discussing this topic in person with people in Portland, we'll be gathering on Wednesday, December 4th, and there's a link in the show notes where you can learn more about that as well. Thank you and be well, and stay tuned for part two of this series coming out next week. Bye. Bye.